Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of High School Not So Much a Musical. I'm your host, Rishi Sinha, and today we have a very special guest as we are joined by Ravi Omelet, coming in from the San Jose, California. Ravi, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, so let's just jump into it. So that the high schoolers listening can learn a little bit more about you, can you give a brief introduction about who you are and what you currently do? Yeah, absolutely. A pleasure to be on the podcast, uh, Rishi. And thanks for inviting me. Uh, to give you a snapshot, uh, started my career uh, studying uh, electrical engineering and computer science. Uh, grew up in the East Coast, specifically Philadelphia, and uh, went to schools at Illinois and Westchester. Uh, furthered my career uh, in the area of engineering and presentation graphics. Uh, worked in that space for a couple of years. It was, uh, I would say, a fantastic experience. Then star, became an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, it was, I would say, uh, by accident. I met my partner at the second job I held uh, with a company called Mastec Systems uh, called iGate Global that was acquired by Capgemini a few years ago. Um, and started uh, rapid on uh, in the 90s and uh, been a serial entrepreneur for 20 some years 25 some years and mm -hmm. it's been a great journey and uh specifically uh my journey in the space of telehealth all right yeah thank you so much for that brief introduction um you know you clearly have a lot of experience and um, I'm pretty sure the high schoolers listening can will really enjoy it, what you have to say. And I noticed at the end, you talked about how most of your experience is in the telehealth industry. And I found that industry, you know, very unique. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted you to bring you bring you onto this podcast. But um, like the whole point of the podcast is for high schoolers to learn about different industry leaders in case they want to pursue something similar in the future. So can you briefly talk about what the whole telehealth industry is and what um, what it's like building telehealth networks, especially over like the last, you said, 15 so years? Surely, please. Uh, you know, again, it's a wonderful intersection in my life. Uh, as we all realize very well, Health is the most important thing. When health yeah. is lost, everything is lost. And mm -hmm. I think in my humble opinion, everybody in the healthcare industry has a personal reason to be in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, it is very different. Things that you do in healthcare is very different from high tech and FinTech. Uh, you can't yes. sell the way you sell in high tech and FinTech. It'll never work in healthcare. It requires a lot of perseverance. It requires a lot of patience. It requires uh, a quantum, quantumly differentiated perseverance and dedication and commitment. Uh, <laughs> cycles are very long. So just having said that, my whole journey started by developing an algorithm, being a part of a team that developed an algorithm that, that uh, could transmit information real time over hybrid networks. Okay. And, you know, I was running my first company at the time, and I'm very closely associated with the co-founder of Brocade Communications. So I had to come to the Bay Area, I used to live in Alorado Hills, 
And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, met a bunch of guys that were trying to put an algorithm together. And I came from the AI background and there was an intrinsic AI component to it uh, and a level of machine learning, uh, believe it or not. And uh, one thing led to another, we became part of the team, we developed an algorithm and it worked. <laughs> we were able to transfer information effectively over hybrid networks, which means, uh, you know, over wired and wireless. Uh, and we had not approached cellular and, uh, uh, you know, uh, wired and wireless at that time. And uh, another wonderful intersection happened at a social gathering with a doctor in Hayward that said, hey, guys, you're talking about, you know, high tech and fintech all the time. How about mm -hmm. telemedicine? Yeah. And like, what is telemedicine? Mm -hmm. and this is in the 03 time frame. Yeah. And that he was a psychiatrist and he said, look, I want to measure trauma. I want to measure stress remotely. So I should be able to measure blood pressure, temperature, uh, and so on. Uh, few metrics. Uh, he wanted to measure blood pressure, temperature, you know, uh, weight, uh, uh, and uh, ECG uh, remotely. So we applied the algorithm to measure these four or five biometrics. As I said again, you know, weight, temperature, uh, blood yeah. pressure, ECG, and uh, we did pulse oxy as well. And uh, it worked. Uh, mm -hmm. Studies and so on and so forth. And he came out because the doctor does it, right? So what they do is whatever you render on an IO screen, they compare it with what really actually appears on a biometric device. And then mm -hmm. they study the two and certify, yes, it is diagnostic level, which means whatever you see on an ECG machine, let's say made by GE or Wellchallen or Philips or what have you, and what you see on your laptop or your desktop or your tablet, you know, is the same. It is a one-to-one -one uh -huh. So then you certify that information to be diagnostic level. Otherwise, it's garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Okay. Right. right. So when he said that, hey, this is working and this is perfect. I can view this on my desktop at that time. And laptops were a little far in between. And we were able to bring it easily on a laptop. So when that happened, where several intersections happened, word of mouth went out and we got introduced to uh, the founding president of the American Telemedicine Association, Dr. Jay Sanders. I went to Maryland, met with him. There's mm -hmm. alumnus of uh, Johns Hopkins and very closely associated with the Meditech program of NASA. So if, oh. if we didn't realize, you know, NASA has a medical innovation technology program called Meditech hosted at the Virginia Commonwealth University. So we came under a clinical trial where an anesthesiologist used our algorithm to connect into a mobile surgical unit in Ecuador, where a person was undergoing a gallbladder operation and she was able to save, a, save the life of that person. Oh, so okay. She, so what she was able to view sitting in Virginia was a three lead ECG, blood pressure and temperature in real time over SATCOM at diagnostic level. So Whoa, she, okay. So when she was reading those vitals, she was able to arrest the flow of anesthesia in time so that the person did not go into deep coma. 
So that has been our springboard. And Mm -hmm. we were kind of, uh, we were over the moon because we never realized that something like this would happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it became a a life-changing experience for me. You know? Okay. Uh, So that's, that is basically the genesis. NASA continues to be uh, my springboard or champions. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, so everything started from there. Everything, the whole yeah. thing started from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's great to hear. And now that we know sort of, you know, how you got into the telehealth industry, um, I just have like a quick question about, uh, is this similar to what you currently do? Or um, if it's not, could you talk about where you currently work? And also, I noticed that, you know, in your current work, you focus on building uh, holistic and personalized software appliances for decision support using, you know, AI, ML, and data science. So could you provide some examples of how these technologies are applied to the telehealth industry? Absolutely, please. So, uh, you know, once this happened, uh, this became my uh, my uh, uh, everything primary in my life. Uh, yeah. When you realize, you know, in all your lives, uh, when we do something, and if if it really works and makes an impact uh, to society or life at a certain level, uh, I believe it becomes a life changing experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think all of us, all of you youngsters, all you people out there, I think you all going through that experience and, you know, uh, uh, at some time in your, in our lives, in our lifetime, we realize uh, sooner than later that, you know, okay, this is the path that I want to choose, like the path you want to choose right now, once you graduate from high school, right? There's mm-hmm. a, a certain thing that, uh, certain things that happen that reaffirm or affirm uh, your thought processes and you kind of conclude that, yes, this is the path I would like to choose. And this is the path I would like to pursue. Same thing happened in my professional life, so to speak. You know, I said, okay. this is this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So uh, I've had, uh, so everything started from the first company I started. Uh, some of the things I would like to share is, you know, I sold my share to the space and I've been lucky because the first company I started rapid on was quite successful. And that enabled me to do this because when we started out, the first company I started was Televital in this space. Mm-hmm. There was no concept of CPD codes or reimbursement. There were malpractice laws. And, you know, uh, my dad asked me, you know, uh, hey, are you okay? You know, you're giving up a company that is progressing so well and you want to jump into something like this. And, you know, how are you going to sustain yourself? Or, you know, how are you going to go about this? I told him, I don't know, but I know that this has had a life-changing kind of a impact with a clinical trial. And the way we see that this can impact, you know, healthcare and healthcare delivery is very exciting. And one of the things I would like to share is somewhere in the back of the mind, Rishi, I lost yeah. my mom to breast cancer in 91. You know, oh. she was very young and I was much younger. And that was perhaps writing... I wouldn't say perhaps was writing at the back of the mind all the time, you know, she's okay, such a yeah. penetrating, worldly travel person. You know, if she had self-examined herself in time, you know, if she, if she had access to proactive healthcare, I could have had many, many, many more years mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. So 
I, in these, in these 20 some years I've led the journey, or close to 20 years I've led the journey, I've experienced so many healthcare professionals and, you know, most, almost all of them have a personal reason as to why they are in healthcare. You know, it is yeah. an amazing realization, actually. And the level of dedication I find, every, I, to me, every single healthcare person is a true blue champion. So having said that, going back to this, you know, when we talk about developing a platform, now, what is the level of machine learning at Applied AI that we used at that time? At that time, what we used was okay, you know, the device integration layer. Okay, how do I understand the device? How do I understand the device communication protocols? So how can I quickly do a gap analysis? So from the machine learning standpoint, understanding the device, understanding the behavior of the device is one. Two, calibration to a certain level. And, and I will expound on that as we go forward. Now, okay. you connect the device to a software platform, now transmission of that information. So compression and decompression algorithms that are readily available out there, right? But then how do you fine tune the decompression and compression? You decompress it and then you decompress it and then you render it. So when you're, yeah. when you're going through this process, then how articulately do we need to train the data or train the algorithm so that when we displays on a monitor, it should be diagnostic level. Mm -hmm. it should be lossless. Yeah. So if it is lossy, then it doesn't make any sense. And especially we are dealing with healthcare here. Yeah. We cannot give wrong information to the product. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. it is a very it is an extremely responsible kind of a situation. So mm -hmm. FDA is very, very acute on that, right? I mean, they're, they're nitpick, they ensure that we have conducted a clinical study to the T before they provide for any level of FDA certification. So to, to, to kind of come back to this, that was the genesis, okay? We were, how effectively we could transfer information lossless in a wired and a wireless environment. Fast mm -hmm. forward, at Sukino, my, my journey has continued for all these years in the space to where all my experience and all my knowledge that we have gained has come into this company. Before I go there, many wonderful things happened from the standpoint where NASA, you know, uh, recommended and we got into, I'll be very quick with these case studies, uh, you know, rural Nevada telemedicine program. Under the rural Nevada telemedicine program in the 04, 05, 06 timeframe, we connected two bed emergency clinics in Elko and Battle Mountain to the Unitorino Medical Center. We were able to bring down the number of airlifts by more than 45%. They were averaging an airlift a month. Each airlift in the 05 timeframe was costing anywhere between $35,000 and $40,000. You can imagine now why our healthcare spends are just going skyrocketing here right? If a two-bed emergency clinic is spending more than half a million dollars a year just on airlifts. So where does this solution come in? You have a provider yeah. sitting at the University of Reno Medical Center. At that time, on one desktop, the doctor was able to, or the provider was able to see the, all the vital signs being measured, let's say weight, temperature, pulse ox, spiral, NIBP, and a 3 lead ECG. 
yeah. on the other screen. I struck a deal with Polycom for the desktop video because that was most affordable. We built, developed sync software. So if you're the Dr. Rishi, you're sitting at that time, sitting, viewing one desktop where you can see your patient with a caregiver or a primary care physician in Elkhorn Battle Mountain. On the other screen, you're able to view so that you can observe and analyze the vitals being measured based on your recommendation. So to give you a quick example, let's say somebody's walking into that clinic with chest pains. They Either they really have a cardiac issue or it could just be gastritis. So okay. given the nature of this, it is life-saving, of course, time-saving, mm -hmm. life-saving, and money-saving. So given that model, very successful trial. We connected 25 homes of the elderly in Houston or a Cox communication project. We provided the same solution for a workers' comp company in New York. All this stuff is going on and I'm pulling my hair out saying, okay, all this is great, but how do I grow this company? How do I make this a sustainable business? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm self-funding the company along with the, uh, uh, with the co-founder of Brocade and then, you know, he's a big man, I'm a small man, I'm, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, there's only so much money that I can put in the company, all that kind of stuff, right? Even though my mm -hmm. first company was quite successful, there's only yeah. so much we can do because uh, the magnitude of it, we could see it like, wow. But then a lot of uh, kind of wonderful things happened. We got introduced to India by NASA. And for all the listeners here, I would like to say that some of the divisions of NASA work with the Indian Space Research Organization almost on an hourly basis every day. The level of collaboration is so high. It's incredible to see what they're doing collaboratively. So having said that, we were introduced to them. They came out here to Milpitas. We showed them a live demo. So subsequently we were awarded with a, they were, the government of India was planning uh, a nationwide telemedicine network we came under that program. We connected 400 district hospitals with 200 village resource centers, connecting 50 multi-specialty hospitals. We have installations in every state in India connecting to impoverished and unreached citizens, lots and lots and lots of them. And okay. it is a tremendous experience that way, the success of which led us to the Pan-African Telemedicine Network, the same hub and spoke model connecting. It's a contract between the African Union, the WHO and India. It connects, we are, our software platform is running in 45 African countries even today. So okay. all those learnings has come into my current early stage company called Tsukino. So when you talk about applied AI and machine learning, uh, quickly here, why I wanted to give that backdrop is the enormity of what we can do here you know, has to be based up with sense and sensibility. So affordability becomes extremely important. So from a telehealth standpoint, we should be able to insert a platform into a given socioeconomic healthcare demography. You know, affordability, portability, adoptability, adaptability, all those things become very, very important. So it's an open vendor platform, which means you can connect any third-party biometric device, any third-party workflow, any third-party EMR, EHR, HMS. It works on wired wireless cellular satcom. 
and is cloud neutral for storage and distribution. I named the platform Saffron because of its medicinal value as well. I named the company Sukino because in Sanskrit, Sukino Bhavantu means free of suffering, joy. And I named my machine learning applied AI platform Ginger. So, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so again, coming, coming quickly to the subject matter here. So from a machine learning standpoint and applied AI, we are talking to GBT4, all the kind of good stuff today. They are oh. available, but how we work intelligence with intelligence is highly critical. Mm -hmm. So how we are able to train the algorithms to provide a holistic solution to the user or the consumer is extremely important. So yeah. in other words, right? So we cannot just take, let's say, you know, I go to chat GPT-4 and say, can you give me all the restaurants uh, uh, in my in your, in my area? Yeah, it's going to mm -hmm. dump, uh, it's going to give me a dump. But then it has, I have not put in any information in terms of the type of cuisine. Yeah. I have not put in any information whether I have any dietary restrictions. None of those things, parameters have gone in for me to, for it to give me a personalized, appropriate information. Mm -hmm. I'm not say that, you know, my spend is, you know, somewhere in this ballpark, you know, any of those kind of products. So when we are using standard industry standard algorithms for machine learning, for generative intelligence, we <laughs> have to look at it and where our intelligence goes is how we train those algorithms how we train unstructured data, sometimes even structured data that we have to appropriately train, given all the parameters, and then supply appropriate information based on user consumption. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time to come onto our podcast, Ravi. And for the listeners, this marks the end of part one of our conversation. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll finish our talk about the telehealth industry, where Ravi gives you guys some great insight onto how you guys can start to get involved in it. And we'll talk a little bit about how to maintain a good mental health while working, where we dive deep into music. I'll see you guys next time. That's our show for today. Now roll the credits. High School Not So Much a Musical is hosted by Ayush Agarwal, Nitin Jaladanki, and Rishi Sinha. Narration by Samhit Padala. Music from Louis Luang Relaxation Cafe, Tune Pocket, and Infraction. If you like the show, please recommend it to your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.